Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander, or AAPI, Heritage Month. May provides us with an opportunity to celebrate the incredibly diverse AAPI community and to highlight the history, contributions, and culture of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. It also provides an opportunity to address challenges faced by the community. Like other communities of color, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders face a variety of, of issues, including racism and discrimination, lack of representation, health disparities, language barriers, and immigration issues. On this evening's show, we're going to talk about some of the challenges facing the AAPI community and how other communities of color can lend support as we all work towards a more inclusive and equitable society. Joining us for this discussion is NCCU Law Professor Kevin Lee, and also joining us is Chavi Konaru, Executive Director of North Carolina Asian Americans Together. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So we're going to start um, and have each of you just share a little bit more about yourself, your background, and the work that you do. And so, Professor Lee, let's start with you. Oh, boy. Um, okay. <laughs> so um, I'm a uh, Korean American. I guess that's the most relevant thing to this discussion. Um, I grew up in uh, New York uh, and have uh, practiced law in Japan um, and lived around the, the country. Came to North Carolina about 15 years ago, and um, I my work here has been you know mainly just teaching law and um, and uh, writing. I, I tend to uh, write in. Uh, jurisprudence and uh, thinking about uh, how uh, all of our wonderful new technology is changing our understanding of law and, and society. Um, and I work with, I have been the advisor to different, you know, student organizations and groups uh, within uh, the law school um, with an Asian focus or inter international or inter um, uh, well, I guess international or transnational focus. So um, I try and do my uh, um, advocacy through through that. Great, thank you. And Ms. Koneru, can you as well share us share a little bit about yourself and your background and the work that you do with the North Carolina Asian Americans Together organization? Sure. Um, so I'm Chevy Kanekanero. I am the daughter of uh, Indian immigrants. Um, I have spent, I was born in Oakland, California, but have spent the majority of my life in Durham, North Carolina. 
Uh, though I will say that I have a lot of Tar Heel pride. I went to Carolina for college and law school. Um, and uh, actually, exactly seven years today, um, I co-founded um, MCAT, which stands for North Carolina Asian Americans Together, which is a pan-Asian focused civic engagement organization. Um, and the reason that we founded it was because there was this clear gap in outreach to the Asian American community when it came to voting. So we found through a survey that 70% of Asian Americans had never been contacted about an election by anybody, which is wild to most of us who can't stop getting calls and mails and text messages about elections. Um, and this was at a time that the Asian American population was surging in the state. As someone who's lived here since 1989, it was exciting to see and I wanted to make sure that my community's voice was heard. Um, so that's some of the work that we've been doing over the seven years, it's expanded. Um, so we also do citizenship assistance, a lot of youth leadership programs, and then obviously our focus continues to be um, voter education, voting rights, helping folks have access to IDs and the other things they need to be able to uh, fully participate in North Carolina. Excellent. So can both of you share your thoughts on the importance and, and the historical context behind AAPI Month? Why don't you go first? Sure. Um, so this month was um, originally picked because it marks um, both the um, coming of the first uh, Japanese immigrant to America and um, I think the beginning or the end of the um, railroad that was being built by Chinese laborers. Um, and I think the importance of it now, especially, I mean, my work is very focused on the state of North Carolina, is that as we talked about this growing population, there's still a lack of representation in all sectors. And so this month, I feel like, allows us to have a deeper focus on the community, our history, our heritage, and particularly the contributions that we have made in this state at a time where Asian Americans have been targeted because of the pandemic and um, you know negative political rhetoric. Um, so I think those are some of the important, um, important things about celebrating this month in the state. Yeah. I knew you would know more about it than me. <laughs> um, no, I am um, about the his history of it. I um, I think it's extremely important because in part because uh, uh, Asian uh, American history is so diverse, right? That the category of Asian is just so broad uh, and it gets lumped into one demographic. Uh, and so one of the one of the great things about this month from my perspective and with student organization I've worked with before is to show the diversity within that Asian uh, American history. And, um, uh, and, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, wonderful that you have this pan-Asian um, project and I, it, it's such a, it's such a broad and diverse um, category. And I know you, you could probably talk a, a, a great deal about that. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a very positive step and I can just, echo it particularly in the last few years where um, anti-Asian um, hatred has been on display uh, in, in frightening ways. I mean, very frightening ways around, around the country. Well, let me just uh, raise with, with both of you, could, for our audience, could you kind of 
talk about the uh, the different populations that make up uh, the Asian American and uh, Pacific Island uh, communities, and I know it's pretty broad uh, from uh, all over the place. So, but our many men, members of our audience don't know, you know, just what you refer to when you talk about uh, Pacific Islanders, for instance, and uh, or the the wide range of people who uh, constitute what is described as Asian American. Yeah, I'm happy to take this first. Um, And I really appreciate the question because I think one of the best things we can do to create change in the state is to be better educated about each other's populations, demographics, and cultures. Um, So North Carolina is made up of over 20 different Asian ethnicities that speak over 40 different languages. And the populations range from the biggest, which is the Indian American population. There is followed by the Chinese American population, uh, big Vietnamese population, Korean population. Um, And then we are also home to a big Southeast Asian refugee community. So um, a lot of refugees from Vietnam uh, came to the US, I mean, came to North Carolina. And um, these populations are sort of more centered Uh, mostly kind of in the Mecklenburg area, Greensboro area. We are also, I think, the third or fifth, uh, have the third or fifth largest Hmong population in the entire country. Um, And that population is um, focused in Hickory, North Carolina, so Catawba County. Um, And because of that, there's so many different languages spoken. Um, There's, I mean, most people in the Asian American community speak a second language at home. So most being like over 70%. Um, And some of them speak English fluently as well, but others have a lot of language barriers. And that's something that I feel like isn't talked about quite enough in this state because there's a lot more we could be doing at the local level all the way up to the state level to provide more language access uh, for folks that speak all these different languages. Um, Hard to add on to that. Um, I, I would say, you know, and I, the category of Asian is actually, I think, a 17th century around then invention. And um, it covers, you have to think about this, right? Everything from like Istanbul to the middle of the Pacific. Uh, and that's probably about two thirds of the world's population uh, that we refer to in one category, right? So it's, it's an enormously diverse uh, group of, of people that we, we catalog and, and with with histories too that aren't always, um, you know, compatible. And I think that's one of the, the things that, uh, you know, we, we try and reduce it to to a demographic and then look at that as, as one thing. Um, but the, the histories among those different people can also be sources of stress and tension and, you um, um, that's, uh, I guess, all I can really add to that. But there, there's so much within um, and the growth in North Carolina to me, and I've only been here for 15 years now, has been enormous um, to see the uh, just amazing signs of the diversity in our community popping up all all over the all over the place. So I, I really, um, do you have any any idea what the percentages are, Chad? Of like the growth? Well, like overall, what's our demographic um, in the, I guess the demographic we probably 
collect data on is Asian, right? In the, in yeah. the broadest sense. Yeah. So we're about 4% of the population, um, which, you know, by itself across the state doesn't sound like a lot. But I think what's interesting about it is that the population is very consolidated in the big urban areas and in exurban areas. So the suburban areas right outside of these big counties. And that's where Asian Americans have the power to, and you know, be the swing vote and and really make a difference. Um, I think it's also interesting that um, you brought up the thing about the diversity of the population and us being grouped together as Asian, because I try to be intentional about saying that we use Pan Asian as a political uh, category yeah. and as like a, a as a political tool, but it we also try to recognize that there's a lot of diversity and, like you said diverse and sometimes divisive histories within these groups. But in a state like North Carolina, we don't create change unless we band together as a Pan-Asian political block, as an identity. And also, I think across races is also important to say that we need to sort of create all that change together in this state. Yeah, and to your point about uh, forming coalitions. Can you talk about the challenges having such a, an incredibly diverse group um, and, and education within that group? Because of course, it's not a monolith. Uh, people have different experiences. They have different political bents. They have different ideologies. Um, what have you experienced in this last seven years as you are trying to bring folks together to form coalitions so that political power can be used to improve um, society? What, what are the challenges having such a diverse group under that umbrella of Asian? There are a lot of challenges. Um, I think I can speak as an Indian American growing up, I would never have called myself Asian. And I think I mean, there's probably times that I didn't know what box to check um, as a racial category because Asian was considered East Asian. And so that has been a development over the last decade where uh, not just Indian Americans, but South Asians have begin this, began to see themselves as part of the Asian category. And then we're talking about such a wide distribution of education levels, socioeconomic status, it is hard to bring those people together. But I think what we try to do is focus on the lowest common denominator, right? Like we, we just wanna make sure that people have all the basic human and civil rights that should be guaranteed to them in a democracy. And that's what we try to bring people together around. We do have a political advocacy organization that focuses more on candidates and platforms, but from our C3 nonpartisan organization, we focus on just education, and sometimes it is just educating our community about other ethnicities within the community. So as an example, people used to talk about undocumented folks as something that impacted specifically the Latinx community. Like that doesn't happen in the API community, but the reality is there's a lot of API folks that are undocumented and even here in North Carolina. And I remember specifically that having a conversation with someone who realized after a decade that their neighbor down the street was undocumented and was like, 
oh, wow, this changes my entire perspective because it's no longer that person over there that's experiencing this. That's the neighbor I've known for 10 years. And I think that sort of like the sort of building those community relationships, education. Um, another thing we try to do is we have something called a community partners network. And we try to bring in social and cultural organizations that have existed across the state for decades um, and bring them together. They meet once a month and they share whatever's coming up in their communities and it allows them to build those bonds. And we saw that so much during the pandemic where some communities were struggling with food insecurity and losing their jobs while others were had easy access to vaccines. And I think not only do they help each other, but it helped them see the different privilege and the different experiences that, that are happening across the community. Well, historically, um, the history of Asian Americans in this country runs deep and goes back uh, for uh, decades. And uh, we're, we're going to take our break right now as we continue our conversation about uh, the uh, uh, AAA, AAPI Heritage Month and helping us to better understand and appreciate uh, the uh, our neighbors uh, who are all around us and who participate in the same kind of thing that the rest of us do and endure some of the same issues, problems, and uh, and concerns. So this is the Legal Eagle Review, and we're going to take our break right now, and we will be right back. So stay with us. North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded in 1939 to provide opportunities for African-American students to become lawyers. Embracing our heritage, the mission of NCCU Law is to provide a quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. We empower our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. NCCU Law is excited to announce the creation of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center, made possible by the generous pledge of $5 million by Intel Corporation. The mission of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center is to produce technology-conscious lawyers who will use technology in alignment with the law school's mission to one, facilitate the efficient, effective, and ethical practice of law, and two, increase the access of legal information and services to underserved communities. You can learn more about the Technology Law and Policy Center by visiting the NCCU Law website. Okay, we're back on the uh, Legal Eagle Review. Thank you so very much for uh, staying with us as we continue uh, this uh, discussion about AAPI uh, Month and helping our communities to understand uh, the many contributions made by the 
Asian American and Pacific Islanders uh, populations. Uh, but in doing that, can you kind of talk about, you know, because there's a lot of different uh, history, background, culture uh, that's uh, involved in this, what you call the political population uh, that uh, we are discussing. So can you talk about some of the, uh, the differences, uh, particularly with respect to those, I guess, traditional uh, groups that have been defined as Asian American, basically the Chinese and the Japanese, and then the newly arriving uh, members or constituencies of that uh, community. So can you just kind of talk yeah. about the differences in their arrival, the differences in the treatment, the differences in the issues and concerns that uh, that they face? Uh, Professor Lee, I think you were getting ready to jump on that. Yeah, let me, let me just say a couple of things. I mean, I, first of all, I think uh, this is a really uh, important issue. Uh, to focus on this month is, is the history and the differences. I think one of the challenges um, that Asian Americans face in, is uh, the myth of the, being the, the model uh, minority, right? That we have assimilated and, and that there have been great successful uh, communities here and then less so, right? And, and uh, the problem is, uh, when you lump all of the history into or, or one category, you don't see the difference, right? And I, I think um, thinking about the history is one way that we can begin to see that it's not a monolith, and to some degree, the uh, um, model, um, the model minority myth is indeed a myth. <clears throat> um, I can tell you, um, I think just and maybe it's a, a good opportunity to just get personal a little bit and, and talk about, you know, the, there have been Asians in America, I think, since the founding. Um, it, it, there's it's nothing new uh, with different groups coming. It's a, like, a, again, it's such a large category <laughs> that it's, you know, um, there's always been, been different people arriving and coming in, in different ways. Um, I, I think um, from a Korean American standpoint, uh, many um, uh, arrived after the war, um, after the Korean War. My my father did, um, and I think one of the the strengths um, that we can draw on is that generation's experience, which um, of of what oppression really looks like. Right, having lived under a fascist regime, and um, um, that that history is being lost, I think. Um, and yet it's such a valuable resource for us today when, you know, we can look at the, the patterns of, uh, of politics today and see, you know, like they say, uh, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Uh, you can see some of those same kinds of things. And that's a, that's a real strong um, uh, contribution that um, people from that, particularly who have parents and grandparents from that time can, can remember. Um, but we need to, to then parse out the history too, because it's a very complex one. Um, yes, the uh, Chinese were in the uh, early on banned, right? It's one of the, I think the only racial category that was actually banned from entering the US. Um, and you know, the, you know the case law there. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a long uh, history of um, that, that, it, that I think reflects the, um, the growing American influence around the world. So as, as America grew in power, uh, people from different parts of the world arrived here. Right? So, um, 
I'm looking for. Anyone else have any thoughts on that, Chevy? Yeah, I, I, I think that was a, a good explanation. Um, I think uh, just to add to that, um, you know, I think 1923 was U.S. versus Hagat Singh Tind, who was, um, and the decision said that I think non white folks wouldn't be considered citizens in America. Um, so I think, yes, you know, all these people came to the U.S. from uh, different countries with different conflicts in their own countries. But in the U.S., most of the Asian community was faced with the same discrimination and um, othered. And I think that's one thing that sort of like bonds us together, I guess, <laughs> a negative thing. Um, and uh, I think in, I mean, I have a sort of unique story because my dad came to the US in 1960, which is earlier than most other people in my parents' generation. Um, he uh, took a boat over, left his family and came to Harvard and he was rejected from Yale because they thought that his name sounded like a female. Um, hmm. And I remember him telling me so many stories of him just assuming that he was black because he didn't really know what the different categories were and wasn't really, I mean, there were other Asians at the school, but he wasn't really part of, he didn't feel bonded with them. He more connected with um, the African students. And I, I mean, I'm mentioning that because I think this is, you know, we get really caught up in these racial categories, but I think a lot of what binds us together is common experiences and I'm going to have a more similar experience to someone else that grew up in Durham than necessarily a Indian American who grew up in New Jersey. Um, and so it is, it's not quite answering your question, but it's just something that's top of my mind with Heritage Month and, you know, all, uh, everything that's going on in North Carolina legislatively and politically. I think it's an important reminder that there's a lot that that bonds us together beyond our race and ethnicity and, and language. Can I tell a quick story about my my dad? Um, he came here as, as a refugee from the Korean War and um, finished his, he, he was a, um, I, I have to go back just a little, he was a doctor. And um, when uh, the Korean War broke out, he was overrun by the North Koreans and pressed into service as a doctor, a frontline uh, surgical doctor uh, in what would have been the, I guess, the Chinese equivalent to a mesh unit. And um when um, when MacArthur landed at Inchon, he was there um, on the about ten miles away from the from the beach, and um, the Marines came up the cliffs under fire, and it was it was mainly, or a, a big part of that was a, a black unit that was still around in those days uh, that li helped to liberate um, you know that area, and um, my dad used to say that when MacArthur landed, the people who were guarding him just dropped their guns and started running north because they were afraid of him. Um, years later, in Durham, actually, uh, I had a friend who um, was a law professor who uh, his father was uh, one of the Marines who had been on that cliff. Mm. And uh, not long before my dad died, they got to, uh, he, he talked to him. And it was really touching you know, to hear 
this guy who he was old and sick and blind. And he talked about all of his friends who had died on that cliff that day. And, uh, and my dad thanked him. And, you know, um, and then he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, it was worth it. This is a, the Marine. He said it was worth it because our, we now live in a world where our, um, our children can be friends. And, um, you know, for me, that's always been um, the American story, right? The sacrifice around the world for uh, liberation and freedom is the American story. Yeah, and, and both of you have hit upon something that weighs um, heavy on, on my mind, which is we don't do a particularly good job in this country of educating in a robust way of different cultures. And so, um, Ms. Conero, you were talking about um, thinking about connections with other groups, right? And, and if we don't have an opportunity to, to learn about other cultures and other struggles, uh, that communities have experienced, there's frequently it's the situation where um, groups are seeing as separate as opposed to uh, groups that are also in the fight for civil rights and, and justice. Can you two both talk about um, the need for better education about the struggle and history and perseverance of the AAPI community within all of our diverse groups. Want me to go first? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I have to say my, my most immediate knowledge is in legal education because I've been a legal educator my whole life. Um, I can say that um, one of the problems I think that um, Asian Americans face in, in um, legal education is um, it, it's actually caused by that um, what um, the, you know putting everyone together and then having the model minority myth attached to it uh, we often are um, overlooked as an oppressed as, as people who, who face oppression right and underrepresentation and so in the legal academy there was a study that came out from Yale a couple of years ago that showed um, there are very few uh, Asian um, in, in leadership positions in the legal academy. Uh, I think there's just been maybe 10 deans who are Asian in the history you know, of the country, uh, despite having you know, some population centered, very high um, Asian populations. And um, uh, Asian American women in particular, of the um, about 11,000 law professors, there's about a hundred and maybe a little bit more than a hundred uh, Asian American women who are, who are in the profession. And often I think the, the kinds of programs that are you know, um, designed to help address that lack of, of representation, you know, Asians just don't fit into that category or, and are overlooked. Um, we might recall uh, a few years ago when the, um, the, the Asian women were, um, uh, murdered in Atlanta, right about that same time, uh, U.S. News dropped the category of Asian from the, you know, from the demographic protest, and there was a huge protest, 
And I think another good example of that is the, the resources that the deans of the law schools put together um, on, on diversity. Um, you know, this nice resource pool has nothing about Asians in it. And I think there are two articles written by Asian American women in that um, in that pool, but there's it's, there, there's nothing on Asians uh, in that uh, in that resource pool. So we have a you know we have some problems of just being seen as as a group within the legal academy um, and within the profession. I, I think you you begin to see more now in the uh, more recent studies show there's been some progress, but there's still a long way to go. There aren't that many judges who are Asian uh, partners in law firms and so on. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll answer that in a, a broader context. Um, I think education it provides historical context that is essential for understanding the experiences of API individuals. So this includes learning about significant events such as the Chinese Exclusion Act, Japanese internment during World War II, or as I mentioned earlier, their experiences of Southeast Asian refugees. And understanding this history helps to recognize the impact of systemic discrimination, uh, white supremacy, and its continued effect on API communities. And so I advocate for this being taught in schools at a, a much younger age. But I think there's, and I, I wanna mention this because there's advocacy around this that is uh, focused very specifically on just making sure that Asian Americans are included in history books. And I want to be clear that I am in the camp that believes that you have to talk about all racial groups because our histories are intertwined. And I'm going to go back to like those common bonds. A lot of us experience the same discrimination. It shows up in different ways. And I think particularly between the Asian and Black communities, there is a long history of racial solidarity and the Asian community also being in the fight, whether it's more recently in the Black Lives Matter movement or further back in, in history. Um, and one of the tools that is used by folks to prevent us from being together and that we see this show up in all the affirmative action cases too is using Asian Americans as a wedge and using that model minority myth. And it has worked against many of us who haven't grown up with privilege. Um, we are, it is an assumption that we have money and high educations and it prevents us from not only connecting with our peers, but often prevents us from having opportunities as well. So, I mean, I think it's critical that we're all learning the reality of all of our histories as, as far back as we can go. Well, can you kind of talk about the cross-racial relationships though, that uh, historically have, uh, uh, been present, uh, whether we're talking about uh, the cross-racial de uh, developments from the uh, Korean War, uh, from the uh, Vietnam War, uh, and, uh, and other uh, events where uh, racial minorities uh, and uh, have uh, formed families uh, that have uh, made significant contributions uh, to uh, both the war effort and to uh, this uh, uh, this country, and then to be punctuated by the uh, recent attacks uh, uh, that uh, we've uh, witnessed in uh, Atlanta and in San Francisco and and other cities around the uh, around the country. So, can you just kind of talk about the impact of, of of all of that and the familiarity that exists between us that a lot of people don't understand and appreciate? Yeah, 
You, you know, I, I want to jump in on that because I guess because I'm I'm old, <laughs> I'm a, I have a good long memory of this, but um, I was living in New York uh, back in the 80s and remember the pushcart riots. Um, uh, I don't know if people remember that, the anti, the, uh, anti I mean, the, the, hate, the, the hatred between racists in those days for political purposes was a part of my life. I mean, I, it, was, it was a fearful thing to get on a subway. Um, when I was going to law school, because you didn't, I got, in fact, I had, uh, was even assaulted once. Um, and then not long after that, there were the LA riots, right? So I think one of the things that, that we need to do is to realize that there has been a lot of tension, right? And we, we have to overcome that. Uh, we have to, to, to acknowledge it as a part of, of our, of ourselves and, and do what we can to overcome that, um, Having said that, I mean, uh, among among Asia, one of the funny things that to um, you know, funny odd things to me that um, has always struck me is, um, you know, my my father grew up in in fascist um, occupied Korea, and the fascists who occupied Korea were Japanese, right? And he had he had scars on his back from being whipped like a slave because he was a slave, uh, a slave to the Japanese, and. Um, you know they um, um, pretty much beat him to death, a near near death. But um, that he came to this country and ended up working in a, in a hospital where the people he worked with were like Japanese, right? And and he always would say that you know we can't we can't live in the hatred. We have to we have to move beyond it. We have to, or there's no there's no hope, right? So I think that's one of the one of the lessons that um, that we have to learn. Mm -hmm. All right, you are listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we have been talking this hour about Asian American Pacific Islander Month and highlighting the contributions and still challenges that exist within our Asian American Pacific Islander communities. We have with us here in our Zoom studio, Professor Lee. He is the NCCU Intel Social Equity and Racial Justice Professor of Law. And we have Chavi Kunaru, who is the Executive Director of North Carolina Asian Americans Together. We're gonna have to take a quick break. We hope you stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Brittany Burks, and I'm currently a 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your Community Spotlight. The North Carolina Central University School of Law offers four certificate programs. Upon completion of the specified requirements, law students may earn a certificate in civil rights and constitutional law, dispute resolution, tax law, or justice in the practice of law. As a part of the Eagle Promise, NCCU School of Law offers our students four outcomes upon graduation. Completing a degree program on time, becoming socially and globally engaged, proving leadership, and graduating market ready. More information about any law degree program is at 919-530-6610. My name is Brittany Burks with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening.
And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking about Asian American and Pacific Islander month. Uh, and we're using this as an opportunity to highlight the some of the challenges that exist within the communities and how we can all work together to improve society as a whole. Of course, it goes without saying that these are issues um, and considerations that we should have year round, not just during, during the month of May, but this does give us an opportunity to do some highlighting of these very important issues. We have with us here in our Zoom studio, one of our colleagues, Professor Kevin Lee. He is the North Carolina Central University School of Law, Intel Social Equity and Racial Justice Professor of Law. We also have with us the Executive Director of NCAT, which is the North Carolina Asian Americans Together organization. And the Executive Director is Chavi Konaru. Uh, they have both been sharing their thoughts and insights with us this hour. Um, as we come back for our final segment, uh, Ms. Koneru, I wanted to, you mentioned as you were talking about the founding of NCAT, how you had noted um, one of the impetus was that there were members in the Asian community, a large percentage that had never been um, reached out to when it came to voting. Can you talk about why voting, well, we, and we talk on this show a lot about the importance of voting, but can you talk about how, um, why that was such an important uh, consideration for you in creating this community and why voting is so important within the Asian American Pacific Islander community and what success you've had in galvanizing the community? Yes, thank you for that question. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I am the daughter of Indian immigrants. And um, one of the things that was stressed to me very early on was uh, how lucky we were to be in the United States. And one of the privileges of that was being able to vote. So I had a dad who was very engaged, who uh, knew what was happening politically and made sure that um, my mom always came out to vote with him. Um, and so I entered law school with a desire to practice civil rights law, specifically voting rights law. Um, and that desire was nourished by being able to be taught by professors like or, uh, Julius Chambers. Um, and I had the opportunity to work for the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and in the Department of Justice in the voting section. And while I was there, um, this was in 2008, so the first time Obama was running, I was sent out to Bergen County, New Jersey. Um, and this is when uh, pre-Voting Rights Act being gutted. Um, so this was an area that was covered by Section 5. And because of the large Korean population was required to offer um, forms in Korean. And that was the first time that I sort of brought together my interest in voting rights and how it impacted my community. Because growing up, the population in North Carolina wasn't big enough. I mean, it still isn't big enough, but 
to have been covered by that. Um, but I also just wasn't aware of like how much language access was an issue within my community because Indian Americans, because of colonization, tend to be taught in English in India. So my parents spoke English, not perfect, but they spoke English. Um, and so it was at, in 2014 when the Asian American population in North Carolina was growing so rapidly that we saw, oh, wow, there are language barriers in the state preventing people from being able to vote. And then we realized there's all these other barriers. And I think, you know, every time there are new maps drawn and there is gerrymandering that occurs, it impacts the Asian American community. Um, one of the maps from um, 2022 that was being considered was would have drawn a line right through Cary, North Carolina, which houses one of the biggest Asian American populations in the entire state. And that obviously dilutes the vote and prevents them from being able to represent, uh, to vote for a re representative of their choice. Now with some of the new voting rights rules and I mean, North Carolina is obviously a hotbed for, for voting issues, um, but now we're dealing with voter ID coming back. And not just Asian Americans, but this is obviously an issue for uh, all minorities and often for those who are coming from uh, Latinx or Asian countries, when you immigrate into the US, your name has changed. So your ID may not match up with what your actual name is or literally, I don't know anyone who uh, is from the Asian community whose parents' birth date actually is their actual birth date on their <laughs> driver's license. Like, right, <laughs> Professor Lee, can you agree with that? Like, it's just a thing. And so what happens is that, uh, you know, a lot of these laws, I think, are rooted in racism towards Black folks. Like, that's the reality, but it does impact all communities of color. And it is a real concern in the state of North Carolina are people going to turn out and be able to vote in the municipal elections this year? Are they going to be able to vote for the president of their choice next year? So these are all things that we're trying to sort out in our cross-racial coalition at the moment, but it is a huge concern in the state. Yeah. And, 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 and the success of those efforts are, are visible. Uh, Jay Chattery, one of our alums, uh, is in the uh, North Carolina Senate. Uh, growing out of the uh, large Asian American population uh, in the uh, Morrisville-Cary uh, area just in 2021, and an Asian American was elected to the uh, Cary City Council uh, for the first time in history. And then that person then went on to become a member of the North Carolina House of Representatives. And uh, other, so there is some growth. Uh, that is uh, visible as a result of the organizing and education that has gone on in sectors of, uh, of North Carolina. And certainly uh, the state has been uh, uh, benefited uh, by their, uh, by their uh, presence. Uh, what, what do you see as the, uh, the future uh, as you move forward uh, now to bring about greater uh, uh, political participation. You also encourage uh, kickback from uh, those uh, groups and individuals that uh, don't want uh, there to be uh, robust participation uh, by, these, uh, by these minority groups that are coming in uh, to the country, as well as those minority groups that's always been uh, in this country. So 
what, what do you see uh, lying ahead of us uh, with respect to uh, moving forward to deal with some of these uh, these issues? Uh, well, yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned uh, Senator Chaudhry and Senator, I mean, uh, Representative Liu. Um, we also have Representative Servania, who was elected this past year, and um, and Senator uh, Muhammad from the Charlotte area. Um, and none of them were in office prior to 2016. So I think that in itself is a huge victory. Also, in North Carolina, Asian American youth turned out at a higher percentage than youth of any other racial demographic and one of the highest in the entire country. So no matter what happens, there are folks who are going to fight for their right to vote um, and particularly our youth. And that is the largest population is Asian Americans aging into the electorate in North Carolina. So that's very exciting. Um, I mean, I think there is a lot in our future. And I mean, I am gonna focus on the youth because that is what gives me the most inspiration is seeing how folks, I mean, I feel like when I was younger, I didn't have the access to the internet or to books that really educated me on my history, my community's history, on other people's history, but that access has changed. And I think no matter what laws are passed, when people have access to education and knowledge, they are going to continue to fight. Um, and I'll, I'll pass it off to Professor Lino. Well, that's, you said so much that I agree with. It's, it's kind of difficult to, um, you know, uh, I'm here, um, I, I work on, on thinking about um, how the future is, is coming. And I, I think one of the things I see um, for our country, but actually for the world too, is we, we really need more diverse input into thinking about um, political issues. You know, this past week has been, uh, in my community, really dramatic because one of the things I look at is regulating AI. And we had the dramatic testimony from uh, the, um, the founder of the OpenAI. And um, one of the things that we know is that that regulation needs to um, have a lot of diversity in it. And so I think you know the work that you're, the advocacy, your work that you're doing in, in voting actually will play out in so many complex ways in shaping a society that's that's really changing in very fundamental ways uh, in itself, and so the the importance of that and and you know just having a um, many different voices that can help to create um, what goals and systems that actually express the the diversity of human values right it's, it's utterly essential otherwise we end up creating a system that isn't for us <laughs> it's something it's something quite different so um I, I i that's on has been on the front of my mind uh these last few days as i've been um looking at new new developments in that field uh and uh which i i can tell you are are quite dramatic Thank you both for sharing your, your insight and further educating us. Uh, how can allies best support the Asian American community and the work of INCAT? Um, so we, we talked about education before, that that's, continues to be a critical element. Um, also amplifying the voices of Asian Americans, whether it's through you know, whatever social media platform you use, or just 
sharing it out in circles where folks may be there in their bubble and may not have a community of APIs to interact with. Um, there's always opportunities for collaborating and building partnerships. And going back to something Professor Lee was saying about not having enough voices in the legal field that are API, this is also an issue uh, at the state legislature. Um, so not just API, but there's not enough voices of color, of testimony of normal people who live in North Carolina who are impacted by these policies. So that is a great way to, to come out and support not just your own community, but talk about how this impacts Asian American communities as well. Um, and then I, I think the final thing is just uh, volunteering. I'll, I'll pitch our, we do citizenship clinics. We're always looking for volunteer lawyers and legal students, uh, law students to come and help us out. Um, we provide pro bono services to help folks um, uh, sign up for citizenship. And our next clinic is in Raleigh on June 17th. Excellent. You, you also mentioned that you have youth leadership um, events and you've emphasized that the youth um, provide you with uh, enthusiasm and optimism. I feel the same way. I know um, Irv feels the same way. That's one of the things we love about being at NTCU School of Law and being educators. I know Professor Lee feels that same way as well. And when we talk about coalition building and working together, are you, what is your, what do you see from the young people that you're able to interact with? Do they, do they seem more open to coalition building and seeing connections with other communities? Uh, can you share your insight on that? Yeah, I, you know, I'll just share a story that, that I think reflects that. Um, Pre-pandemic, we did a Canvas effort um, with other civic engagement focused groups that are focused on other communities of color. And we had our youth uh, partner together and go to neighborhoods that had API, Latinx, Black folks, and go to these different doors together and learn about each other's cultures. And the bonds they built just from that one Canvas effort, they started showing up to each other's protests, whether it was for student debt relief or something that impacted, you know, going back to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, all the API youth in our membership were active in some way. And that came from internally because there, those bonds, like I said, have, have been built. I think there's pluses and minuses to the internet, but, you know, I think that's one of the things that helps um, break down the barriers between us. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think there's there that's happening organically. I'm really excited about that. Um, and if you want to come meet some of our youth, we will be out in Durham Central Park <laughs> on Sunday celebrating um, uh, Asian Pacific American Heritage Month uh, from 1 to 8 p.m. Excellent. And Professor Lee, so um, did you have any thoughts on... Um, interacting with young people who are in the Asian American community. We know that um, you have worked with student organizations. What are your thoughts about how the, um, the youth might help us be more collaborative and, and moving and progressing these um, important issues forward? Well, I have to say in working with uh, young people, I'm extremely optimistic. Um, I find them to be engaged and, and really uh, striving to build a, a more tolerant and inclusive community. 
Um, I, I, I do find that um, generally and um, across really very different uh, demographics, which I think is really uh, you know hopeful. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, uh, which is great. Um, I, I wish often they had a deeper sense of history so that they understood um, some of, of better what, like I say, you know, his, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And if they could understand our times better through uh, a better exposure to the uh, history and intellectual traditions that we have. Um, but I am overall just, you know, I, you can't work with young people and not be optimistic. They're just so full of, uh, of ideas and energy um, and optimism themselves. So um, I, I do think the world is, is changing really rapidly and in, in exciting ways and that they're going to have um, an interesting, interesting uh, lives that will take them to places that um, I couldn't even dream of. <laughs> so um, that's, I guess, all I would add. All right. All right. Well, we will end it there, highlighting and celebrating our youth of all uh, cultures and races and, and nationalities and communities. We are out of time, but we'd like to thank our guests, NCCU Law Professor Kevin Lee. He is the Intel Social Equity and Racial Justice Professor of Law and Chavi Konaru. She is the Executive Director of North Carolina Asian Americans Together or NCAT. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you will share this show with your friends and colleagues and help us as we continue to support our Asian American community. If you have any questions, please send us an email. You can reach us at LegalEagleReview at nccu.edu. And if you miss this show on Sunday, you can find us on the Legal Eagle Review podcast. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.